The time is now. What is the secret to success? Movement. People look at you strange saying you change, like you work that hard to stay the same. Like you're doing all this for a reason. Hard work. Yeah. Works. To another trainer's talk. This is Don Allman. This uh, trainer's talk is interesting. As as I speak, I'm right now in Tahoe with my kids. Um, getting away, we had to be evacuated because of the glass fire and fires that are happening in Sonoma. Um, as of right now, my house is okay, but I have several friends and and. Uh, People that I do business with uh, who have lost either uh, their business, their home. Um, and so, you know, this, you know, this is uh, definitely going to be some trying times for um, Up Valley area, Napa Valley, and, and, and Santa Rosa, um, and the east side of Santa Rosa. So, I think this conversation that I have with uh, Michael Perry, he sat down and had this conversation um, about five days before the fire happened. Um, and where we had the conversation was at his house, and his house was lost in the fire. Luckily, with all of this, um, they they're they're safe. Uh, his family's safe, and, and most of the people that are friends or people I know are all accounted for and safe in, in areas the, where they can be evacuated. So within all that, you know, we, we, we work to evolve, we work to push forward, and this conversation kind of brings that to light. Uh, it's a good conversation about um, being an entrepreneur. Um, about being a part of a family and how those are the things that, you know, really uh, count on and, and what's truly important. So sit back, enjoy this conversation that I have with Michael Perry. Yeah. Hello, boys and girls. I want to welcome you to another Strangers Talk. We have a very special guest. I have a serial entrepreneur a watch collector, watch fan, a man who knows his hip-hop from the 90s. Oh, shit. <laughs> Bring it out the gate, huh? Right at the, the gate. The, the pressure's already on, I feel it. <laughs> We're going for it. Uh, Co-founder of Kit, and also, what was your position when you were at Shopify? I was many positions at Shopify, but probably most not notably the director of product at Shopify. Right, and they acquired your company in 2016? Yeah. Great. So. Um, and now you are working on a new company, which yep. we'll talk about Back later. Back in the founder seat. Exactly. And it's yeah. called? Maple. Maple. Yeah. Awesome. Well, let's, let's cheers. Well, cheers. Let's cheers to that. Absolutely. You can't, you can't not celebrate uh, life. So um, I, I think this can go many facets. I think one of the things that's interesting is that we've kind of been working on and off for like the past almost 
almost a year. Definitely almost a year. Yeah. I started working out with you January of, actually January 2020. Yeah. So yeah, like yeah. Ten, 10 months. Yeah, 10 months. Um, we were, I was actually taking that month off for uh, paternal leave from my son. Yeah. And it was up here in Calistoga and haven't looked back. Yeah. 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 No, it's, it's been really cool. And, you know, and kind of getting to know you, your, your parents uh, and your, your siblings come up a lot. Yeah. Um, what do they mean to you? And, you know, how, how would you kind of desc- um, describe your childhood? Hmm. I don't know if you can actually describe the value of somebody that you care about at that level. Yeah. There's no like um, ROI, no measurement, you know, it, like my family's, I think anyone who knows me well knows that I can authentically say my family means more to me than any other piece of my life. Totally. Uh, whether that's my mother, my father, my sister, my wife, my son, I think family is core to, to the experience as a human being. Yeah. Um, my parents have sacrificed uh, a tremendous amount for me, and so I, I have a, a sense of gratitude for them that I think is very genuine and very real, and I think understanding that um, circumstantially my life could have gone in very different directions, yeah. and just feeling endlessly humbled by how my life has played out and the role that they played uh, in, in guiding me to this point. And then my sister, you know, we're only two years apart, but we've we have a very dynamic relationship. I feel like at times she's my own child, uh, just from my mom, uh, my mom for the, the, from birth to let's say sixth grade, my mom was a waitress. So she worked nights yeah. and my father was a very hardworking man. He worked basically all the time. Yeah. And so uh, my sister, I felt like was in my care and watch a lot. Yeah. And so, um, maybe one of the coolest things is kind of feeling that I played two two different roles in, in her world and as she's become an older woman more of just a, a brother but yeah um, yeah there's you know I feel like all things are pretty much in my life replaceable but then yeah yeah it's, it's, it's pretty interesting how no matter what you know you're doing from the outside to be able to come home or be able to uh, kind of connect with those people who've seen the story yeah in the beginning is kind of interesting yeah you know I think that you know, family, I, I think that they are the actual environment, not where you live, um, not what's happening down your block, um, but what's happening inside your house yeah. is your environment. Totally. And my mother and father always uh, firmly believed in an honest day's work, like hard work was everything and sacrificing and putting your family first was everything. And it was always this collaborative effort. You know, Sundays, my grandmother fed all of us. My mom and my aunt worked together. My father felt like was trying to take care of everybody. My yeah. sister has carried that through her life as a mother, but also as a giver, joining the Peace Corps, giving away bone marrow to save somebody's life. Just like, it's been a, I think a, a deep reflection of our family values has been about always look um, to the person to the left and right of the table yeah. before you focus on what's happening on yourself. Yeah. And I just feel like uh, what's been critical for my own success is that um, my parents always put what we needed first before yeah. what society thought we needed. Ah, right. So my parents were like, hey, they knew I was not academically sharp. Yeah. Um, I think the stories are some of the most important ones about my, you know, getting kicked off the basketball team almost every year for grades. Yeah. And my mom walking down to the principal's office every year 
you know, petitioning for me to get back on yeah. and just trying to help them explain that I wasn't a dumb kid, just that, and I wasn't, it wasn't lack of effort. It's just school was not set up for me. Yeah. And when I decided to leave college to start companies, you know, most parents I think would struggle with that decision. Yeah. Or my parents actually just expected that that was going to be a part of my journey. Yeah. And so, you know, these moments are defining, but the, the thing about them that I think is so unique and that I've taken away is that they're very consistent. Yeah. You know, it's not like these like, one-off times where my parents were great or my parents were bad. It was the consistency about how they approached life and how they approached raising my sister and I and the values that they instilled in us to be able to survive on our own. Yeah. Um, regardless of social norms, society pressure, all these things that I think have just played such a critical uh, role in just being courageous. Yeah. You know, and just building businesses and just not giving a fuck and just doing what you need to do as my parents did what they needed to do. Exactly. So in doing what you need to do and kind of, it kind of sounds very strongly that, you know, your family is part of your wellness. And like, how would you, um, outside of your family, how do you take care of yourself? Well, my family is definitely a part of my wellness. Yeah. Just to like wrap this up. I mean, my mother's going to watch this interview and laugh. Anyone that knows me knows I talk to my mom every single day at 34 years of age and still check in with her uh, uh, about life. So uh, my family is 100%. They, when shit's going bad with my family, there's no hiding it on me. And when shit's going great and I feel like my family's taken care of, I'm all in on feeling good about life. Yeah. I think one thing as I've gotten older and maybe matured a bit is I haven't always put my mental and physical health as priority one, yeah. right? And so when I was younger, I was an athlete, super competitive. I was in good shape. I loved basketball and golf and surfing and uh, biking and all these different things, different waves and chapters of my life where I had different interests. Yeah. Um, and as I started building companies and really putting my business, you know, sadly in a lot of ways, my business before anything, including my family yeah. for a chapter, uh, my personal health took a huge hit. And certainly, um, probably the saving grace was the introduction of mindfulness and meditation, which I, a strong advocate and daily practicer of, um, that's a constant work in progress. And then that's evolved, um, to just further awareness of working with a trainer to try to keep me honest about, like, I like going to you and actually feeling out of shape. I'm yeah. like, okay, I've, I've fallen off again. Yeah. And equally so I work with an executive coach, um, where it's a supplement to the meditation. Yeah. Right? It's someone that I can talk to about things that I'm not able to center myself around. And I equally have that same sense of awareness that, okay, I still have a long way to go. Yeah. Right. So I think part of, I think part of being balanced and having good mental and physical health is being aware that you're not in the best form. And yeah. that also being aware you're always going to have room to improve. Totally. Yeah. You know, I'm probably like yourself, probably never going to be the athlete I was at 20, you know, or 16. Uh, but I can still take care of my body. Yes. You know, and I'm probably, uh, hopefully, going to be more mentally sound at 60 than I am at 34. Because I think that that's what's interesting about mental health and, and mindfulness and meditation is that um, you, you have a constant gym there, a constant muscle that doesn't deteriorate uh, until generally later in life, doesn't deteriorate the same way the body does. Yeah. 
And so there's more room for me to actually find my best version of myself there versus now I'm in maintenance mode of my body, right? Yeah. And, that, and, that, and that weird relationship and that yin and yang of appreciating that my body isn't what it once was, but I gotta keep investing harder in that than yes. ever before. Yeah. And my mind isn't where it's at, but to get to where it needs to be, I have to invest in that harder than I ever have before. Exactly. Um, it's been interesting as I've gotten older to respect those two things. Do you have like a, um when it comes to the, the, the mindfulness, do you have like a routine or like do you like when you get up in the morning, do yeah. you do it in the morning? Do you do it in the evening? How yeah. does that work usually? Yeah, so it's interesting. It's almost like um, meditation is almost like substance abuse to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I find myself doing it the most and the most infrequently, like outside of my habits, yeah. when shit's feeling really bad. Yeah. Right? So like when things feel super stressful at work, or I feel stuck on an idea because that's a huge pressure around my life is like, can you come up with a concept that fits a problem? Um, when I'm not feeling like that sense of clarity or there's just like all the ver- various versions of chaos, I find myself like almost like a, needing a drink, uh, like meditating constantly. Like yes. I'll take 10 minute sprints, like stop, turn everything down, sit in my office on the floor, try to you know rebalance myself. And I think that actually probably what I'm most proud of is building that muscle to know my need, right? Like when yeah. I'm like, oh my God, okay, I'm not feeling right right now. Let me just take a step back. Yeah. Um, and even feeling anxious and stressed out, investing in myself there. Yeah. But from a habit perspective, uh, I almost always start my day with meditation. Yeah. Like I won't even check an email before I sit down and calm myself down because I think it's so important to have that moment with yourself, but also so important for you to understand that in the scheme of life, we are all so irrelevant. Yeah. And I think that sometimes with business specifically, there's so much weight on self-importance, on success and all this stuff that it really can have unnecessarily negative impacts on our day and equally so inject like vanity and artificial goodness about yourself. Yeah. Right? And so I think that starting my day with meditation and starting my day uh, alone in my space and feeling highly connected to earth um, I'm just like constantly reminded that I'm this insanely small part of this incredibly beautiful system. Yeah. And someday I'm going to leave this earth and get replaced by some other being that is a small part of this incredibly, and that's a part of the system. Yeah. And I just have found myself to be such a better leader um, and such a better person uh, with so much more self-worth when I actually realize how insanely irrelevant I actually am. Yeah. So starting my day with med, and then on really fucked days, um, and my wife will be like, I think it's time for you to go upstairs. Yeah. <laughs> I, I usually will meditate before I sleep. Yeah. And just so that that way I can actually have an honest night's sleep. Yeah. When I don't do that, I lay in bed, stressed out, sweating, tossing, turning, you know, frustrated, angry, whatever. Yeah. And just to kind of, again, recommit myself to being a part of what's happening on this earth and this universe and just to be a smaller being, um, is such a critical sense of honesty to go to bed with. Yeah. yeah. If if you didn't have that meditation or what what are the things that um that keep you up at night or if if you didn't have that meditation. I mean, I feel like I carry a lot of weight as an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um and even as an executive I felt like I carried a lot of weight. My team size at one at one point was relatively large. I feel uh, beyond the companies themselves, I feel a tremendous amount of empathy for our users. Yeah. Right? So at Shopify and my, my years before Shopify with Kit and Giving and the other companies, they were very small business uh, centric. Yes. Right? And um, 
you know, you're an entrepreneur, you're a small business operator. Like I would go to bed at night, quite honestly, thinking about you and people that I build products for and be like, wow, fuck, it is so hard. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think anyone actually realized how hard your life probably is. Right. Yeah. And so I do. And so like I, I kind of, for better or for worse, went to bed at night, revisiting almost every decision I made, knowing at the scale of the decision making I'm doing, which is, you know, a million merchants were using our products, yeah. billions and billions of dollars per month flowing through our platform. Yeah. I made a decision that's likely going to drastically help someone's business. I also potentially made a decision that hurt somebody's business. Yeah. And the guilt of knowing that I sat between those two lines is all consuming when you, I think, come from a place of deep empathy, right? My yeah. grandfather was an entrepreneur. My uncle was an entrepreneur. My father worked for small family businesses. Like, these are my people. Yeah. And just knowing the impact I'm having, uh, I take very seriously. Yeah. Today, I'm now building products for, for families. And I still come from this deep, I don't think I could build a product or a company if it wasn't empathetic. Yeah. If it didn't come from a place of care, um, I just don't have interest in it. And so I think that when you care at such an extraordinarily high level about people, um, like when I think about my products at Maple, yeah. um, I'm almost always thinking about my mother. Yeah, oh, that's, that's interesting. Right, because my mother was young when she had me and she poured her life into her kids and my father poured his life into his, his kids and they sacrificed a tremendous amount to give us a substantially better life than they ever will have. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Past and present yeah. and future. Um, and so, you know, when I'm tired and I want to give up, <laughs> and I'm, you know, I just keep thinking like, there's a 23 year old mom out there with a newborn baby um, who's needing this. Yeah. And there's a 25 year old mom and a 35 year old mom and a 45 year old dad and whatever. And I go to bed with those as kind of my final thoughts. Um, and so that is what kind of keeps me up, keeps me feeling very heavy. And so meditation, I think, kind of counterbalances the empathy. What's interesting is that um, as I was kind of prepping for uh, our talk, I noticed the, the two letters L-E mm -hmm. are probably best captured in the things that are important to you. Well, probably, yeah. Definitely. So, so you got Leonardo. Leander. Lander. Yep. Alex. Yep. And you got Maple. Yep. And so I yep. want you to kind of take some time within those four. Yeah. My like, favorite idol, my son, my wife, my company. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, what, what is hmm. your um, connection with Leonardo? What, what really, what was your fascination with him? I mean, quite honestly, my fascination was I think that in life um, people try to box you in. You know, people try to say, oh, you're, you're just a trainer. Yeah. Um, you know, my favorite thing that I love for people to tell me is I'm just a car salesman. Um, that's my favorite motivation. Yes. Right? Is like everyone wants to find this stereotype of you um, and make that the every orbit about you. Yes. Right. Um, shut up and dribble. Yeah. Shut up and dribble. And it's like uh, so small minded thinking. Yeah. You know, um, and what I loved about Da Vinci, so I, I didn't know much about Da Vinci. And then in 2017, yeah, 2017, I read the biography by Walter Isaacson about Da Vinci. Mm -hmm. And what I loved about Da Vinci 
was that throughout his life he was many things. He never referred to himself as an artist, um, even though arguably he's the greatest ever at painting. He never yeah. referred to himself as a scientist, even though arguably he's one of the greatest ever at discovery. He never referred to himself as a sculptor. He never referred to himself as, uh, he designed water systems. He designed military guns. He designed plays. He actually made instruments. He played instruments. Like he did all of these things um, that arguably you can box him into any one of those things and he'd be the best at it. Yeah. And the beautiful thing about Da Vinci was that he always just saw himself as Da Vinci. It's just that these are the fabrics of who he was. Yeah. And I just immensely respected that he didn't give a fuck about how anyone else defined him. Yeah. It's, you know, and for myself, it gave me this huge breathing room of saying, you know, what? I actually deeply love working on ideas. I actually deeply love working in design. I actually like writing lines of code. I actually love writing poetry. I actually, sadly, probably one of my strengths, I'm phenomenal at closing business deals. Yeah. I don't love it as much as the other things, but I'm exceptional at it. Yeah. Right. And so at various points of my career, people have tried to put a label about what I am. And ultimately, what I am is just a father above anything. That's the only label I'll accept. And um, all the other things are just fabrics to who I am. Yeah. And I just, it gave me just such hope um, that it's okay to be many things. You know, I was never, and I, and I would teach this to my son, I'm never going to let anyone define me. I'm always going to let my effort and my body of work define me. Yeah. Um, and I needed to see that from somebody else. You know, and I don't think a lot of people are willing to step out on a ledge who have all these other amazing things about themselves. Yeah. And say, you know what? Fuck you. I'm all these things. Yeah. Because in today's world, you're seen as arrogant. And there's a humble way about doing it. Totally. Right? And I think he mastered that in a lot of ways. He, you know, it's hard to say how humble he actually was in real life because he was very successful during his life. Kings sought after him. The world sought after him. He was, he was not the Van Gogh who had success after death. He was wildly successful during his time on this planet, but he was committed to curiosity and exploring these other avenues about himself. He wasn't going to say, you know, 18, he was going to trade school and doing all this amazing things to become a painter, and he was willing to abandon all that yeah. for 10 years yeah. and come back to it. And so life is, life is best when you're curious. Totally. Right? And like, I still think that the best parts about myself, I just don't even know what they are yet. Um, and I just, I needed that. I, I needed that at that time in my life. Um, and so I have just immense amount of respect for him. And so let's talk about Leander. What yeah. has this, uh, little guy kind of, what, what, what was the, when he was born, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a little a point of view on my, my sense. When I had Caleb, my, my, my first it, it, it probably, I already had the pressure, I already felt it, but I would say the connection, once he was like three months, and... It's a crazy, like, ramp up of love. It is. Like, all of a sudden something happens, and then you're like, holy shit, it like starts compounding like interest. Yeah. Like, your love just intensifies. It's, it's a fire. It is. It's it, a crazy fire. It's like, it's kind of like these wildfires. Sometimes, yeah. it's like, it starts, it can start with a spark. It can, and spreads and, quick. And it spreads and and yeah. and it, it, it overwhelms you in a way. Yeah. So um, what n you're starting, Maple. Yep. And this is the first time you're starting a company, yep. and now you're a father. Yep. What what is different? I mean, this is a pretty heavy question, and I'll, I'll say it because I'm only seven weeks in. Yeah. And I'm being very mindful about the fact that I was hesitant to start a company because of of that. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, being a father, and I should take a step back, and I'm going to say, actually, just being a parent, I think it's, and and, and I'm saying this from a place of love because I understand that there are people biologically who cannot have children. Yeah. And and I'm very, uh, and there's people who don't want to have children, so it's not for everybody. But for me, um, becoming a parent, going back and maybe piggybacking a bit off the Da Vinci thread, as someone who I feel like never fit in, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I played basketball in uh, predominantly black neighborhoods. I was the white kid who played on all the black teams, never fit in. My yeah. teammates didn't like me. Like, it was tough, but I never gave up, yeah. right? I went to a college prep school. Uh, my parents were not affluent, and I was not smart. So it was like X, X, X. Yeah. Did not fit in. Did yeah. not have a lot of friends. Yeah. Didn't go to an Ivy League school, didn't go to a good college, uh, didn't even finish college, and at 18 was selling cars full-time, 80 hours a week, um, and did not fit in because my father was the boss, and everyone else that I worked with was just like gorillas and lions, and I was like this sweet kid just trying to make money, mm-hmm. and just different different zoo, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Just did not fit in. Um, became an entrepreneur. Did not fit in. Non-technical in Silicon Valley. Didn't have money. Didn't have education. Did not fit in. Uh, got acquired by Shopify. They welcomed me in with open arms. I was the only American in a Canadian company. So equally, there was times where I just did not feel like I fit in. But I'm saying that with an asterisk because they gave me a tremendous amount of love. And, and But they, they were the outsider. Yeah, right? They, and know, so like, yeah. then I became a father and I just didn't give a fuck about fitting in. Yeah. It was like, damn, this is my purpose. Yeah. This is where I belong. Yeah. This is my, and so I think it gave me this sense of confidence about who I am. Yeah. You know, I, I, I believe being a part of a family, um, you know, what's interesting is like, and no one talks about this. I think everyone walks around this planet, myself included. This is what my son taught me. It took a second for me to slow down and look around the world is that every species on this earth, this olive tree has one intended purpose to create seeds, drop them, and make more olive trees. Same with all the animals around this house, right? We have one purpose as a species, and that is to push our species forward. Our purpose as living things is to keep all things living. Yeah. Now, man has come and picked these olives and made olive oil and pickled them and done all kinds of other things with it. We've hunted the animals. We've done a million things with it. We've, society has thought, this is what the purpose is of this. But the true purpose is to keep the species going. Yeah. And my son gave me that. Where I actually, for the first time, felt calm. Where I felt, you know what? I'm not an entrepreneur. That's something that I'm doing as a member of society. I'm not an executive. That's a member of society. I'm not this, this, this. What I actually am is I'm just Leander's dad. Yeah. And my job and my purpose is to make sure that my son is okay. Yeah. And that he has a shot of being a father someday. And that just hit me very deeply that I think has kind of just, um, I mean, he's been my greatest teacher. Yeah. Like 100%, right? Like it's like life and like my, all the lessons of life times like a thousand in a 16 month period with my son. And so he means like he's at the highest point in the totem pole. Yeah. There's nothing that matters more to me. Yeah. There's no dollar, there's no car, there's no watch, there's no house, there's no, like, none of it will ever 
ever matter more to me than my son. Yeah. I leave this company if it affects my relationship with my son. Yeah. I'll step down from the. I'm never ever gonna let something rob me of the experience of being a father to Leander. Yeah. Ever. That's the greatest freedom that I've earned in securing some financial security and selling a company is that I have the freedom if I need to and want to to full time commit myself to Leander. Yeah. And that will always be my priority. Now, that's something that stuck with me for a long time, and and part of building Maple was the company is a dedication to him. He's the inspiration behind the company. And the biggest piece about it was that I wanted to show my son that I set out a goal um, 20 years ago. Yeah. And um, I've been on this fucking journey of hell for 20 years. Yeah. And I wanted to show my son um, when he's, you know, entering the prime of his life that when you see something for yourself, when you believe in yourself, um, you have to be committed at all costs, right? Like, I think I'm the greatest entrepreneur on the planet. Yeah. Like, I just do. And that's no disrespect to you or anybody else. Like, that's just where my confidence is at, is that, like, I just feel that I'm destined to make great companies. Yeah. And I want to be one of the greatest of all time. Yeah. Like, that's what I want. And by that, my definition of that is different for each individual person. That's not financial for me. Yeah. What that is for me is can I build something that helps hundreds of millions of people? Yeah. I tried that with Kit. I came up short. I participated at Shopify. We helped a million. Like, can Maple help a hundred million people? Yeah. That's can my you, only you, goal. So what, what is, uh, what you can explain right now? Yeah. What, uh, if somebody said, what is Maple? What is Maple? So Maple is a, it's a software company. I think I should put the groundwork there just so people know it's an yeah. app. But the focus of Maple, um, again, is like, I look at the experience that I had as a child. My parents, my parents could have used the help. And I look at the experience I have now as a father who has lots of help. Yeah. And the goal of Maple is, can we use artificial intelligence? Can we use machine learning? Can we use these great technologies that have been making every nine to five job planet, uh, every nine to five job on this planet easier? Can we take that technology and can we automate portions of parenting to make their life easier as a parent? Can we help them figure out uh, their children's life goals and help them find a path there? Can we help them figure out the best ways of feeding their child? Can we just give them the assistance and the help that they need? Yeah. Um, because every parent has the same intent. You and I, we've come from two different places in this country. We're two different men, but we have the same, I guarantee we have the same intent for our children. Yeah. We both want what's best for our children. Yeah. And we're both going to do whatever it takes to give our children the absolute best thing. Yeah. And so why not just build something that empowers people to do exactly that? That's the most details I can share right now and probably even shared a little bit too much, but I think it's going to be a revolutionary thing because people deserve it. We're at a, an, an amazing time of human life where we can actually start doing good at scale. Yeah. We're choosing not to do good at scale. Like that's the harsh thing. Yes. Yeah. That's the harsh reality that people don't want to hear. We're doing damage at scale. I think that companies like Maple, which I hope is a turning point in the technology industry, is primarily focused on making people's lives easier and better at scale. Yeah. And trying to level out the quality of life. Like, why is the 1% living so good? Yeah. The rules are different. The laws are different. The food they eat is different. Everything's different at the 1%. Yeah. That's bullshit. Yeah. And I've been on both sides of the coin. I've been poor as fuck and I'm now yeah. doing okay. And yeah. so I've been able to taste good sushi and bad sushi. And like, what does the world look like when everyone gets to enjoy life a little bit easier? And I just feel like I want my son to just say he didn't give up on himself. Yeah. And if he wants to go be an artist or design clothes or like be a politician or be a baseball player or be an entrepreneur or be whatever he wants to be, yeah. 
um, a line chef. I don't actually care. If he doesn't even want to go to school, I don't actually care. What I care about is him not giving up on himself. Yeah. And I feel like at this point in my life, if I didn't try to build Maple and I didn't try to chase those ambitions and I didn't try to chase those goals, and if I was open to sharing with him those things, I don't want to say to him, hey, like, I, I gave up too soon at 34. Don't do that. Yeah. And I can't do that. But I can show him at 34 when I could have given up, I kept going. Well, I think one thing that's been a benefit for me as a parent is finding the balance of my, the value of my kids seeing how hard me and Jackie work. 100%. And no matter what, I think that is the difference with what Maple is now than what Kit is. Yeah. So... Leander didn't see you no. and see what you and Alex did for Kit. No. Um, but he's going to have the opportunity, hopefully, to see what, what Maple does. God willing. God willing. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's no easy path to building a business. There's no guarantee that this... I mean, my goal, my hope for Maple um, openly is that Maple outlasts me. Yeah. You know, I want to build a 100-year-old company. Yeah. I, I'd like to be taking my last breaths uh, with someone else in charge of it yeah. and saying, wow, we did something super great for people. Um, so we'll see. I mean, I, I'm, I'm very optimistic and I think part of being an entre entrepreneur is that you're a <laughs> default optimistic. Exactly. Uh, so I, I don't want to be drinking my own Kool-Aid, but we got a really group, good group of people working really hard. And, um, I think we're all like just very well aware that the world could be better. Totally. And something else that we have both learned is that to do the things that we do to take to have the um, uh, to be comfortable with a little bit of chaos to be comfortable yeah. is yeah the, the, the people that are attached to this ring yeah and so how has um, Alex kind of inf influenced your ability to do the things that you've done or that you can do Oh, hold on. Let me, let me, <laughs> let me fill this up a little bit more. It's going to take some time. Yeah. I'm going to put this here in case you'd like to treat yourself to a little more as well. But yeah. I, I, um, I think the hard part that most people don't realize is that Alex is my co-founder to life. Yeah. She's not just my wife or my life partner. We make decisions collectively together. Yep. Um, some of those decisions that we made in the early days was Alex saying, you know, you, when I was selling cars, you really want to be an entrepreneur, get off of, step away from the car business, and like, I got our back. And I think a lot of people don't realize that there is no kit without Alex. Totally. You know, this is a woman that has two degrees, one of the smartest people I know, was at UCSF doing breast cancer research, um, and then she's going and waiting tables at nighttime so that she can pay our server bills so that we could keep kick going. When investors didn't believe in us, Alex did. Yeah. Um, and she never gets the recognition that she deserves for that. Totally. With Maple, it was a harder, it was an easy decision for her because she believes in me, but it was a harder conversation because you're naive when you build the first one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. And so this was more of like, are you prepared to sign up for this? Yeah. Are you going to support what this means for us? Um, which means, I mean, you're building a business. You, you, 
you work a lot yeah and you take on a lot of stress and you are responsible for a lot of people yeah and um by default when you're a founder of a company uh, i'm not prepared to call myself a ceo just yet but when you're the founder of a company the right thing to do is to put your company first yeah because they depend on you and you're their leader and that means that there's a certain amount of trust and respect that comes with that and you know i got people on my team who are equally trying to build their families and have and have children yeah um and was my wife and my partner and my co-founder um is she ready to hold the fuck down while i go do that yeah and you know alex of course just understands who she married 15 years ago and understands what my dna looks like and understands that i probably wouldn't be happy unless i went and did that yeah and i think that there's you know one of the most unfair unrecognized things is the selfishness that comes with building a business and not only what that means for alex as my wife who unfortunately deals with the brunt of my unhappiness and stress when shit's not going well but what does that mean for my mother and my father who see me stressed out who see me losing weight who see me not taking care of myself who see what does this mean for my sister my nephew like what does this mean for my my the people in my orbit yeah and I can't do it without their support. Totally. I talked to both of my parents at 34 years of age before quitting Shopify to say, hey, I, this is what I believe in myself. Are you gonna support me doing this? Cause I need to know you're on team MP. Yeah. And it was like, no doubt. Yeah. You know, and like, I think that if any of them had said, I don't think you should do this, it would have massively affected my decision-making on taking that step forward. But not a single person said, I don't think you should do this. Every single person in my, in my, in my family, um, I called my grandfather. Like, I said, you know, this is what I'm thinking. And he, I didn't even tell him the idea. And he's like, I fucking believe in you. Yeah. You know, and I think that people don't understand how important that is. Yeah. You, I, I, so if, if I'm a, I'm a kind of switch it. One of the things that I've learned as a, as a trainer and one of the things that I think you're blessed to have is not too many people have cheerleaders. No, they don't. I'm extraordinarily blessed for that. And and um, and because of that, and that's what I try to do within my training is the actual science-based stuff of you know doing the different things that are going to help you become more mobile, help yep. you be stronger, and things like that. But it's it's making it okay to be that you can do it. Yeah. And 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 telling you and being honest with you, I think you can do it even if nobody's really done it before or very little have, have done it before. It's 100% right. Like, I think that it, there's, a, there's a very fake, unauthentic representation of confidence. Yeah. There's no 100% confident person on this planet. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right? I, I feel like I'm a pretty confident guy, but even there's days where I'm looking at my ideas that no one has seen in the world yet. Yeah. I'm building a whole business around this. Yeah. And I'm like, is this it? Yeah. Is this right? And what's amazing is what my family is that they just vote on me so strongly. Yeah. You know, like my parents aren't worried or scared about me hitting ground zero again. Cause they know that I've been designed and built and fucking fabricated to work my way out of any hole. Like I've been to the bottom of hell. Yeah. I've climbed the highest mountain. And if I have to do that shit again, I fucking will, yeah. right? And they know that. You know, I don't know if they would give that advice to every other parent. Because yeah. you have to know your, each kid's DNA is so totally. different. Um, but regardless of that journey is being an entrepreneur and putting it all on the line, 
or a career pivot or becoming a doctor or whatever it is, I think that the greatest thing that you can give somebody is remind yourself for them that we each have one admission ticket to this thing called life. Your ride is not my ride. Yeah, totally. But I'm going to cheerlead whatever fucking roller coaster you want to design for yourself. Exactly. Same. You want to go flat forever? Yeah. All good, bro. Yeah. I respect it. I love you. I hope that you enjoy like the scenic view. Yeah. You want to go all the way up, come all the way down, hit a corkscrew, do a loop, go back up, go back down. Like, I respect it. Like, I cheerlead you on because I know that that's a stomach turner. Yeah. It's a thriller, <laughs> but it's a stomach turner. Yeah. And I just think that, like, we owe it to each other as humans to be like, hey, man, like, this is it. Yeah. Like, what can we do good or how can we enjoy this? Yeah. You know, I want to watch more sunsets. I also want to work a little bit harder. Yeah. You know, I want to take care of my son. I also want to take care of other people. And I think that there is a yin and yang between being selfish for your, like, immediate needs and being selfless for the community at large. Totally. And I think that entrepreneurship and my parents have really distilled in me and what I hope is distilled in my son is like you have to have that balance of you and everyone else. You know, you can work hard and buy yourself nice things, but you should also be highly philanthropic. I will always give almost anything I buy myself, I take that exact dollar and give it to charity. And I just firmly believe that like we have to be community first. And I'm just super thankful that my parents you, friends, family, I've never had anyone tell me, I mean, certainly I've had people tell me, you can't do this, this is a terrible idea, but those are the people I just cut out. Yeah. The people I keep in my orbit, people I keep close to me, and the people I build my environment with, and my tribe, and I want to participate in their tribe, are the people who are just like, I don't know if you can pull this shit off, but I'm going to cheerlead the fuck out of you. Yeah. yeah. Right? If you came to me and said, hey, I'm going to be the next 24-hour fitness, I'm going to build a thousand gyms. I'd be like, don't know if you can, but for show, I'm going to be there at the ribbon cutting ceremony for all thousand, right? Yeah, totally. And it's just like, it's not up to me to find out whether you can or not. It's up for me to cheerlead to watch you do it. Yeah. You know, and I think that whoever's watching this as a family member, as a friend, um, like they underestimate that. I oftentimes think that that's what separates the, the success from unsuccessful is just knowing your family has your back. Yeah. Cheers to that. Cheers. To cutting more ribbons. Yeah. So, we're going to go into some lightning round questions. Before we do that, do you have any questions for me? Yeah, I do have some questions for you, actually. All right. And I, I actually, like, when you asked me what did Leander mean to me, I love that question. But I'm actually, like, super curious because you have multiple children. Yes. Um, what has actually just been, and obviously you've become a father of different chapters throughout life. Yeah. But what has it been for you to be a father and a husband, yeah, building a business, yeah, with a co-founder, like you know, you have your own dynamic situation. What does that all look like for you? For me, it's provided balance. Hmm. I, I really believe in the aspects of karma hmm. to the tenth degree, and I feel that um, I would work myself to death if I didn't have my kids. Yeah. And I, and I say work, I mean work myself from a, you know, from a career standpoint. Yes. But they give me their soccer practice, their homework, their... Forced mental breaks. Their love and yeah. affection, them running around butt naked, <laughs> you know, and just, just not having a care in the world. Yeah. That, those things, it, 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 I think it makes me stronger. Um, it makes me more efficient. Yeah. Um, and 
um, the I think the thing that it it does it has I was already a, a, um, had a lot of empathy yeah but it's it's put a lot of juice into the empathy um, you know my oldest is autistic yeah and so it's funny I took the team out on uh, Sunday we had like a whiteboard session and we were talking through different plans that we had that we're going to be doing over the next year. Uh, and then we we went to dinner. We went to Brasswood, and we're sitting at dinner. And there's a, a family uh, who has a, a baby who's who's maybe six months, and the baby's crying, and yeah. you know they're having a hard time controlling. It. Been there. And <laughs> for me, and like some a uh, couple of my team members who don't have kids, yeah, it was starting to bother them a little. Yeah. Bit. And for me, I was like totally at peace. Yeah. And it's, it's more in the sense that I felt for those parents, but. It, it didn't bother me. It actually made me calm. Uh, and so I think when you know you have something in this world that you care for more than your own life, mm-hmm. um, you, when other things happen outside of that, mm-hmm. you just have a... Empathy is the magic. It is. It's so sad because it's free. Yeah. And you don't have to buy empathy. Um, and I think it's one of these things, you know, your story of being a parent. And, uh, I think the problem is that you're included in their world without even being a part of it. Yeah. The parent bond, right? You're like, fuck, I remember being that guy. Right. And I, I've equally, by the way, I've been on airplanes as a non-father. Yeah. And a kid's going crazy. And I'm like, can you just shut your kid up? Yeah. And then now as a father, when my kid's been on an airplane before COVID and him crying and me sweating bullets, just feeling like immense guilt about everyone else on the plane, remembering being that guy. Yeah. yeah and yeah. on the same time, being on an airplane without him yeah. pre-COVID and another kid going crazy and me just feeling for that parent. Mm-hmm. And in the world that we're in today... Um, there's a lot of anger today. Yep. Well, there's always been a lot of anger, but there's a lot of a very. It's, 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 it's different. Very, it's, it's you can see it. amplified. Yeah. It's just all of it. You can see it and you can feel it. And you're just like, but imagine if that was you. Yeah. You know, like I often tell. Maybe I guess this is what I should have said when you said what was the lesson, my favorite lesson my sons taught me, and then we can go into the lightning rounds. Yeah. Is like. I haven't always been the kindest person. Yeah. I think I've been a nice person. But not, there's a bi- I think there's a big difference between being nice and kind. Yeah. And now I basically approach every person with one simple reminder that that person is someone's child. And would I really want someone to treat my son any other way but kind? Could you imagine being, someone being mean to your kid? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you've had people, kids come up, like your kid's yeah. crying and shit, and you're yeah. like... I w- you fuck probably want to kill him, right? Yeah. It's like, what if we just treated every single person as if they were your own child? Yeah. The world would be so substantially better. Yeah. But <laughs> it ain't going to happen. Exactly. But we can hope. Yeah, we, we can hope. Wish. For sure. All right. Well, we're going to go into lightning round. All right. These uh, questions, I want you to give me the answer that first comes to your mind. Oh, fuck. I hate these. All right. All right. But it doesn't have to be... So I have no time to like have a second just to like... Uh, like have a second or do you really want to be like the first thing that comes to mind? I mean like I, I would say you got, th- you got 
three seconds on the clock. Okay, you, you gotta okay. be clutch. So this is like chess, like yeah. Next. But but you can take time to elaborate. Okay. But I I don't want you to to calculate it. Too okay, much. that's fine. All okay, right. fair enough. All right. Up late or up early? Up early. Sports or books? I'm gonna say. Oh wow! Fuck! I can't believe I'm gonna say this, but I'm gonna say books. Okay. I want to elaborate on that one. Yeah, go ahead. So. I love sports. Yeah. Like, like the Raiders are my shit. I want to buy the Raiders someday. Like, bring them back to Oakland because I think Oakland should have never lost a team. I love my Warriors. I love playing golf. I love. So I, I think if the question was, do you prefer to play sports versus reading? I would have chosen probably play sports. Yeah. But if it's watching sports versus reading. I'm probably going with reading and only because I'm extra at this chapter of my life. Five years ago, the answer would have been different. But yeah. right now, I'm extraordinarily greedy for knowledge. Yeah. Like, I want to just continuously expand my mind and get smart. Totally. Um, and I still indulge in sports, but if it was like you have two hours in complete silence to sit there and read something and get smarter, or two hours in complete silence and watch the Raiders. I think right now, probably eight out of ten times, I'm choosing, I'm choosing reading. Cool. Favorite way to say hello. Hello. No, hi, hi. Okay. Um, breakfast, brunch, lunch, dinner, or dessert? Which one do you prefer? Which one you like the most? I'm gonna say Monday through Friday dinner, Saturday and Sunday breakfast. So I don't eat breakfast Monday through Friday. Okay. Um, I always eat breakfast on Saturdays and Sundays. For further context on that, when I sold cars, I never got to eat breakfast on Saturdays and Sundays because in the car business, you have to work Saturdays and Sundays and you have to be at the dealership by 8 a.m. Yeah. Um, and so like eating breakfast on Saturdays and Sundays now to me feels like freedom. Yes. Same with wearing a beard. My father never let us wear facial hair and I, I wear facial hair because it's a representation of freedom. But like dinner, I'm not missing dinner, bro. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Uh, city or rural? I rural now. Okay. At this stage of life. Yeah. Um, boxing or golf? Can I get clarity? Is it the player to watch? Uh, play. Golf. Yeah. Um, best place you surfed? I'm gonna go with favorite place I've served, and that is yeah. uh, in Rincon, just outside of Santa Barbara. Okay. Best decade of hip hop. I'm gonna go fuck. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go '90s. All right. Cool. <laughs> now I'm gonna go early 2000s. Early 2000s <laughs> for sure. Yeah. All right. First decade of 2000s. Okay. Um, best artist to work out to. Oh, shit. That's going to either be DMX or Tupac. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, that was the lightning round. And now we got the last, the last thing we're going to be doing here and uh, is we're going to do a draft. And uh, I already gave uh, Michael the topic. The topic is if you were going somewhere for a year and you can only have these hip-hop artists catalog from the 90s are from 2000 to 2010, that decade, what are the artists you would have? And so we're gonna do a draft format. He's gonna have the first pick, then I'll go, and we'll go back and forth until we get our top 
five. So we'll get five picks each and uh, we'll see how this goes because he could take one of my top five. Oh, I'm definitely taking one of your top five. Yeah, I, I know that's happening. I can't with no preparation, by the way. I'm just gonna, I'm like, I create some scenarios in my head, but I'm treating this like fantasy football. I got some hopes. Yeah. But I'm prepared that most of my my list is going to get wiped off after picks one through three. Well, it should be interesting. I mean, I grew up in the South, so yeah. it should be interesting where that tails from. And then and then you you grew up on the East on the West, West Coast. Coast. So well, it'll, be, it'll be interesting if you start South first. That's what I'm actually interested in because, you know, you, well, to, to really do this right, you got to have a little East, a little West, and a little South. We're, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna. You gotta it. have a little east, west, and south if we're you really want to. out. All right, all right. Uh, you're up, sir. Your first pick for '90s or 2000s uh, artist catalog. I mean, I feel like this is the person that I feel like really brought me into rap because of the time and my age. Yeah. And I feel like no one put us on bigger, so I have to, I have to take Tupac as my very first pick. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. So, you know, it's just that California love. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, for me, um, I have to go with the evolution. We've seen the evolution. Oh, wow. And I think Jay. No. So that was even my second pick. <laughs> that should have been my first pick. That should have been my first pick. And the, only, and the only thing, the funny thing. That's my favorite I, artist, by the way. The funny thing is I've, I've had some of Jay's uh, stuff from the 90s, but I really... What's your favorite album in the 90s? We're gonna, you know, I'm going to put you on blast with your own people. If you can't name an album right now, I'm going to say you got to give that pick up. If you can't put up an album right now yeah. of Jay-Z in the 90s, you got to give that pick up. <laughs> I, I love this. It was... Uh, I, I will go with... Um, my nigga, what? That's a Are track. You, you want to go tracks or you want to go albums? See, that's that, 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 like I'm calling him out right now to, yeah, to yeah. Donovan's fan base. Yeah, you, 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 can, call, you can call me out. I w- you could have said Blueprint. You could have said Hard Knock Live Volume 2. Well, I'm, I'm thinking within the 2010s, too. So, oh, okay. I mean, honestly, my favorite Jay-Z album um, is the Watch the Throne album with him and Oh, and, easy. And, and that's Kanye. what I'm... Like that for top me, top five rap albums maybe ever. So like it, the, for me, that's that's my favorite album. Um, even though this is not in that decade, I do like four 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 from the mm-hmm. the execution of mm-hmm. being a husband mm-hmm. and the execution of that. That was a very honest album. Very honest album. I like that. Um, so for me, honestly, the '90s part wasn't the stuff of Jay that I, I loved the, the most. Early 2000s, that Black album, the Black album for sure, and it, it's almost everything after that. Yeah, because he made a conscious effort to switch where he was going to be more of a business person than he was yeah. a, an artist. Yeah. So um, my pick is Jay Z. That's such a damn. I feel I don't feel regretful. I'm happy you picked him up, but like. In fifth grade, my mom got me Hard Knock Lives Volume 2 as a Christmas gift. Yeah. I probably played that CD to that's, it. That's the one. It's Hard Knock. That's what it is. That was the album. Yeah. yeah that album that, was... That's, that's, my, that's my favorite. Yeah. Uh, wow. Okay. Album. That's tough because that was my backup. I didn't think you were going to go there, and that yeah. was like my guaranteed lock-in spot for two. And I'm not really liking where I'm going to go with two. Yeah. Um, wow. Because I know if I, there's a chance that if I take this person at two, you're definitely going to take this. You mean, okay. 
I'm going Little Wayne for artist number two. Ooh, that's a good pick. I wasn't gonna, that wasn't going to be my number two. But no, that wasn't going to be your number two. But I have a feeling that I, I'm going to go Outcast. Wow, Outcast was going to be my ATL pick, so that hurts. Okay, because um, there Equimini is my favorite album mm-hmm. of theirs, um, but uh, there it's just it's just. It sounds like Atlanta. It sounds like yeah. stuff you drive around in totally. a Cadillac or you drive. It's, it's driving music. Yeah, it is. It, and it just has Spaghetti Junction. I mean, like uh, Speaker Box. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm. So that's that's my pick for the second one. What's your third? This is going to be controversial. And I'm going to lose a tremendous amount of credit with this pick. But I don't even give a shit. And it's, it's, it's singularly for one album because it's a nostalgic album for me. Yeah. And I gotta take that college dropout Kanye West yeah. in my third spot. Yeah. Because college dropout and late registration, and I don't know when um, Dark Twisted Fantasy came out, but it's that close. I but think that it, music from the the stuff he was putting out from 2004 to 2010. Yeah. It was, it was incredi- special. It was incredible. It was special. And like the college dropout, if you had to like literally, there, there's few albums that you can like start at the beginning and play the whole way through. Totally. But all falls down. Jesus walks. Well, it, this is the thing. That it's, song with Twista. It's a reason why we, he still gets noise. Yeah, totally. You know, you know it, it's like, it still carries him. The work that, the, the work that he did that decade yeah. um, has given him an orchard of juice. Oh, forever. Forever. It, it, and it, 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 it kind of imparts that. So I totally get that. All right. Third pick for me. Um, I'm gonna pick this person because I don't think you're gonna pick them either either way. But I, I will say that this is this is probably my uh, favorite overall hip hop artist, um, Rick Ross. I was gonna pick Rick Ross next, by the way. So I was gonna pick Rick Ross. Because you know that Port of Miami is just like one of the all-time best. It's, yeah. And then, what was the one after that? Trilla? Yeah. You got Trilla, you have... Uh, what was the album Magnificent with John Legend? That's one of the best songs, just... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's... Okay, so you got right now a pretty strong lineup, because you got Jay, which is probably the best pick in the entire draft. Then you got Outkast, which is interesting because it's a duet. And then you just picked up Rick Ross... Yeah. That's strong. So I'm on pick four. So I got Tupac, I got Wayne, I got Kanye. That's, 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 that's it's, it's all right. If we took singles, I think I'd be giving a good run for the money here. But um, it'd be interesting, by the way, which I'm not picking this person, but it would have been interesting if you said Andre 3000 over Outcast. Yeah. Different conversation, different day, but. Jay's gone. I think the 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 library is small. I'm gonna go with quality over quantity here. Gotcha. And I got I'm, I got to execute the game plan, which was I got I got the West, I got the South. Uh, gotcha. I, I got, got the, I got the I, 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 I'm, I got the Midwest. Yeah. But I'm, I'm missing some of that flavor in your ear from that East Coast. 
Uh, so I gotta go with my boy Biggie. I gotta uh, go with the notorious B.I.G. for yeah. my for my fourth spot. Yes, and out of respect, does. I was worried that fool wasn't gonna make the top ten, and he definitely deserves to be in the top uh, ten. He totally, totally does. Um. Hmm. This is tough because uh, the next one, I gotta go with my the ones I listen to. So I'm gonna go with Jeezy. Okay. And I respect it though. Cause there is if you wanna uh, some hustling music, some music that like makes you wanna like, oh I gotta go get it. Yeah. He's up, he's beyond up there. He, he's he, that snowman. He's just he, he he has it. Um him and Rick uh definitely do it for me on um on that. But especially from that like sense of like okay, I got a day of work I need to tackle, uh I'm gonna go Jeezy. So Jeezy's gonna be my four. So you definitely messed up my list because two of the people you picked, Outcast was gonna basically. I wanted to try to grab Outcast for the South, even though I picked up. I mean, Wayne's in the South too, but that was my Atlanta pick. Mm. I feel kind of like I'm not doing justice by not having something out of Atlanta on my list. Yeah, like it, like it's just such a scene. Yeah, right. So I can't disrespect Atlanta. I got New York covered. I got Cal- Tupac is California because he kind of touches the Bay and LA. I mean, this is one of those people who I don't think that they've put out any real magic since 2010, but they've really put out magic from 2000, 2002 to 2010. And I got to represent him, but Mr. T.I. Oh, okay. I, uh, that's good. What do you think I was going to say? Uh, I tell you who I thought you were going to say because it's, it's my last pick. Are you taking him? I'm taking my last pick and okay. I'll, I, I'll tell you. T- I was battling between Jeezy and T.I. Yeah. Because for me, they, they, they serve similar purposes. Yeah, they do. Um, to get somebody on the West Coast that I felt like uh, I enjoy their music. I gotta go with Dre. Yeah, hundred percent. I gotta go. I with mean, it would be disrespectful. It would be disrespectful for him not to. Dre. I mean, him as a rapper is more him as as his catalog, and it's not not huge, but four albums. But Chronic and Chronic 2001 are like yeah. top ten somewhere. One of those two albums is fitting in top ten best hip hop albums of all time, in my opinion. Totally. So you have Tupac, Lil Wayne, Kanye West, Biggie, Ti. Yeah, I have Jay Z, Outkast, Rick Ross, Jeezy, and Dr. Dre. It's a strong five on five. I know, man. We, we need we need the verses out here. I right? know exactly. <laughs> we make it happen. DJ it up. Yeah. Um, well, I want to thank you for uh, sitting down with with me for Trainers Talks. Thank um, you for having me. Thank yeah, you for hosting me. No problem. And is uh, any closing remarks? Yeah, actually. I think anyone that's listening to this, I think it's incredible uh, and applaudable for anyone who's always willing to have the courage to be disliked. And um, I think we oftentimes just forget that it's one ride and you got to have the courage to just be yourself. And... I think a lot about uh, 
the conversations that we've had in our own journeys and our own lives and our own things is like the real special people are the ones who are willing to pursue that level of truth yeah and i wish everyone the equal freedom within themselves um and the courage to live an honest life um because it's terrible to be a prisoner in any other way well said well thank you again cheers thank you all cheers